every time we have done a podcast session, I have created a slightly different blanket cave to hide in like a small troll <laughs> in order to dampen down the sound. Every time it's different. Today I'm on a different chair. I've got the uh, fire surround on the left-hand side and a really abstract book about colours propping it up on the right-hand side. I've got the blanket <laughs> over the top of my head and my headphones on over the top of that. So every time I move my head, the blanket goes too, but it doesn't fall off. I think that's really clever. <laughs> that's genius. I didn't even notice. <laughs> ah, no, and it's subtle, discreet. But when when we uh, both came on to the, um, the podcast website thing that we use, well, that's articulate, isn't it? Um, he said, oh, you look like you're wearing a giant hat. And I thought, how apt, because I've literally just been scouring the Hobbycraft web pages for um, inspiration to make a mother frickin' Easter bonnet. <laughs> so from party bags to Easter bonnets. Now look, I I get World Book Day. I think that's really nice. I get dressing up for Christmas. That's really nice. My son was over the moon to dress up for Halloween at nursery. That's really nice. But Easter bonnets, since when was this a thing? Did anyone in their childhood ever go to school? <laughs> Wearing an Easter bonnet. Apparently, there's also a parade. What? Oh. <laughs> yeah. But then I thought, no, hang on, hang on. This is a great opportunity to make my kid wear a kick-ass, ridiculous, <laughs> gender non-conforming hat, right? Uh-huh. So, yeah. uh, so I've, I've, of course, gone for the easiest possible options, where as much of it is as ready-made as possible, because I'm not, I'm not. I don't have the capacity, let alone the skill, to craft these things. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Like, weave your own hat out of raffia? Come on, who's got time for that? So I've bought a hat, a ready-made hat, and then 250 bag of rainbow pom-poms and some large chickens, and that's that's going to be it. <laughs> <laughs> Do we know if they're... Are they real, are they real chickens? Real chickens, or? yes. Yeah, I'm going to staple them to my child's head and uh, he'll just have to deal with it. How is being a mum such a roller coaster? One moment you're flying high, snacks are good, people are happy and you're feeling top. The next moment everyone is crying, someone's had a tantrum and you've eaten all the biscuits hiding in the kitchen. Throw a pandemic into it, each day is as unpredictable as your mother-in-law after she's been drinking. We're Liz and Fee, mums of preschoolers and we are desperate for mums to be more honest, letting others about how hard all of this is and seek solidarity from those who are going through what you're going through. Parenting is hard enough as it is without having to spend all your time with your children. Welcome to Parenting in a Pandemic. Is it a competition? I don't know. I don't think so. I read the first few lines and I was like, oh, God, bonnet day. When is this? Is that what they've called it? <laughs> no, no. And I'm being really mean about the nursery, which is lovely. And I'm sure it will be really sweet. And uh, he'll be really happy to wear a ridiculous hat. But, you know, it, he's four. The, the chances of him making the hat are zero. So what they're really saying is, parents, can you please make a bonnet that your kid is going to wear for 30, maybe 45 seconds? And then we'll go straight in the bin. Why? Why is this happening? I don't understand why they could 
I don't know, make them themselves at the preschool? Why does it have to be something that they... Because no, you, you don't buy, generally, you don't buy Easter bonnets. You make Easter bonnets if you have the time, which no one ever does. You, you're right, the, the labour that's in involved in you can't you can't just go nip to a shop and buy oh i've never seen an easter bonnet for sale i've only ever seen them in bits and you construct them yourself i barely knew they existed how (laughs) how is this when was this ever a thing when did this happen is this an americanism i mean what it's it feels very to me i've seen it around but i do love hobbycraft and every easter i've seen them and i've thought oh it looks expensive because I bet you spent quite a lot of money on it as well. The little bits, not no, because I just went for pom poms and a chicken. So, <laughs> so, you know, there was loads you could get. There were loads of little pretty like bunny garlands and butterflies and like decorative eggs and stuff. And you know, and then of course you've got to buy a glue gun and ribbon. And mm-hmm, I was like, no, no, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna attach some pom poms somehow. Don't know. If you really, if you. Maybe if you really wanted to be, I don't know, really avant-garde, you could just, you know, find some Jesuses on a cross and send him like that. And he... <laughs> that, would, that would be wildly inappropriate. But Can you imagine, funny. though? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I often think with Easter, so we made Easter cards this this year just as an activity because there's, you know, not much else going on and we made easter cards and i was looking on pinterest for some ideas and you know essentially what happens is it it starts off as a really nice idea right and then it's just you doing doing all the activities and they're watching octonauts you know and they've lost interest completely and the that exact same thing happened so i thought oh it'd be really nice and then both of them were at the table youngest was just using the paint sticks as a kind of lipstick you know just all just all around her face and she's really sensitive to it like she comes up in a rash but I had to choose I was like I've got glue here that everything's out so I just had to kind of let her crack on and try and get these cards done and I mean it's just me they're just getting Easter cards but then I just thought and then I was thinking I don't I've never done Easter cards before this is why am I you kind of get sucked into this. Yeah, it's really bizarre. It's not a thing. I don't think I've ever got one. Easter egg hunt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know, crafting, looking at looking at eggs hatching. I don't know, making <laughs> making Rice Krispie cakes with chocolate and little mini eggs on. I don't know. But bonnets? Like, really? I, I do. So my sister, there's a really beautiful picture of my sister she must have been about three with my mum and they've crafted an Easter... I don't know why. I think maybe for school and they've crafted an Easter bonnet together. But in it are very... They've obviously just run out of materials halfway through and just stuck <laughs> on what they could in the kitchen. But um, I remember thinking, even at that age, why why has she got a bonnet? Like, there's no relevance. What, like, what, what has this got to do with... But I suppose... We have to Google that's that there's some, there's some history to bonnets. And I feel like this is something that, that maybe we do and the rest of the world doesn't. You know, I don't think it's like a generic Easter situation, bonnet, yeah. bonneting. I mean, but there must be some reason for it, surely. Well, I mean... Please write Easter's in, listeners, quite... and tell us. <laughs> it's quite a... Easter's quite a an odd time because, obviously... Easter, it stems from Christianity around, you know, Jesus being crucified. And yet 
there's none of that i mean you really unless you have a really i know it's a bit like christmas but there's a slight thread of you know continuation with you know saint nicholas and everything but i mean there's really no crossover is there between between a crucifixion (laughs) and a chocolate bunny rabbit you know there's i don't (laughs) something somewhere has gone awry and yeah i suppose it's drawing on the pagan roots of spring isn't it and the and the you know all the lovely pagan things that i should know the name of but don't that happen around now yeah new new life and new beginnings and that ties into the resurrection and all of that kind of stuff but i still don't see where bonnets come in (laughs) i I don't see it i get i get all of the other connections i get it i get eggs i get it but that's that's where it goes that's where it lies yeah so that's what i'm going to be um what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be going to Hobbycraft to pick up my rainbow pom-poms to make a a nightmare of a hat. It's going to be absolutely disgusting. Are you going to put the stuff on uh, social media? Because I'd really greatly enjoy to see. Oh, of course. Of course. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Yeah. that's For me, that's pretty much the only point of social media is for me to share my <laughs> ridiculous um, attempts at parenting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Your, um, your analogy about new life is um a lovely segue into what we were going to talk today which is new baby and everything that comes with a new baby aside from the actual small human the visitors and the help or the lack of thereof and oh just the offers of help that are really needed and maybe sometimes the offers of help that are well-intentioned yeah poorly executed sometimes it's something we've talked about a lot isn't it and in the face-to-face sessions and online is what what mums really need when they have a new baby whether it's their first or their fifth you know the, the, the needs are pretty much the same with a few small variations and so often what you actually end up with is nothing like what you actually need and there's some really interesting thoughts around why that is and why we find it hard to ask for what we really need. And it's something that's, that struck me a while back. One of our members and, and a friend of ours had a new baby and she posted something on social media saying, uh, just talking about the, the sheer overwhelmingness of the mess in her house while she was trying to cope with the new baby and her older child was just you know being a normal child and making a mess that's what they do getting all the stuff out and I said so I messaged her and I said can I come over and tidy up for you and I thought just how important it is if we talk about this stuff to to act on it but I was also kind of interested to see whether someone would be brave enough to accept that kind of help because it's weird isn't it what a weird thing Mm. to do to ask your friend to come over and clean your house for you I think most of us would feel pretty uncomfortable with that. But I was so proud of her for being brave and saying, yeah, actually, that would really help. So I went over and cleaned her house. It was really fun. I had a lovely afternoon cleaning, <laughs> morning mm-hmm. even. And and I think, that, I think that we can do that for each other. And as I was doing it, I was thinking we need to be better at offering and accepting this kind of help. And is there some way that we can to support new mums to be better at asking for the help that they want, but also as as visitors to new mums to be offering the right kind of help in the first place to make it easier for them to accept it. So instead of saying, can I come over and meet the baby? Say, can I come over and 
cook you dinner can I come over and just hand you dinner I'm not going to come in let me wave at the baby through the window whatever but the trouble is that you don't know what that parent really needs and so we came up with the idea of putting together a kind of well in my head initially it was like a bingo card (laughs) of different things that you might need when you have a new baby that you know your your parent or your friend or your next door neighbour could give to you and you could tick off the things you would actually find useful in some kind of ice-breaking sort of way just to stimulate a conversation about what you might actually need and uh, thanks to some very fabulous design from Jessica Croom we have actually come up with this thing which we are launching and you will find on our website and social media channels because it's so important it's so important for mums to get the right kind of support and something that we often find discussions amongst ourselves and with the group is so often you don't actually know what it is that that you want and that you need you yeah. could sort of you know we've talked about the mental load before where you're carrying so much in your head and when someone says what is it that i can do it's very, very hard to then be able to translate that into words because often things are so muddled that you, it's hard to know where to start. So it's really nice to almost have that kind of element of, well, that part of it taken away. Everything's listed. Literally all you have to do is have a look at the list and tick off what it is. It's all written for you because I think that's half the battle, isn't it? Yeah. Figuring out oh I could really use someone to do the washing so I can I can concentrate on doing this or oh actually no I do need a break from my other child it's all getting a bit much and I could just use a nap but you're so tired (laughs) you're so so tired and your brain is still working so hard to make sure that people are fed to make sure that you're fed that the, the the washing is going through the washing machine that the dishes aren't piling up that you've barely got time to even recognise what it is that you want. So that's the beauty of it, of the bingo card. (laughs) It takes away that negotiation that you have to do, doesn't Mm. it? Of like maybe 30 WhatsApp messages going back and forth of, oh, how are you? Oh, good. What what can we do to help? Oh, nothing. I'm fine. No, come on, really. We really want to help. Oh, well, I suppose, you know, you come over for a cup of tea. Just nice have a chat. Okay, we're going to come over, but we're going to, we're going to bring you food. What kind of food do you want? Oh, well, you know, that, that level of negotiation, which is Mm. all really lovely and well-meaning and brilliant. If you could reduce that also through this kind of tool, then mm-hmm. uh, then that's just it's a load off, isn't it? It's trying it's yeah. trying to make things as simple as possible, but also to normalise asking for different kinds of help. So mm-hmm. one of mm-hmm. the things that often happens with new mums, especially first time mums, I think, is that people come over and the help that they offer is to take your baby out so you can have a mm. break. And actually, sometimes that's the worst possible help you can have. Mm. If you're struggling with breastfeeding, if you've got postnatal anxiety, um, if, you're, if your baby's a, a really tricksy, cryy, colicky, refluxy baby, or whatever it might be, being away from your child in the early, early stages is not ideal. And certainly that's something that I found really, really difficult. It was a, it was a solid year before I left my child for a significant chunk of time you know for more than a couple of hours and it was months and months and months before I was happy leaving him with anybody for more than a couple of hours he was exclusively breastfed would never take a bottle so the anxiety around him being upset without me there would leave me once they'd taken the baby out just sitting there feeling incredibly stressed 
even though he was with people who were perfectly capable of looking after him, he was totally safe and he was never very far away. It doesn't matter if it taps into that particular strain of anxiety. It's really not great. <laughs> if you've got older kids then, you know, what they, what's, what's your visitor going to do? Take the baby and the older ones? I mean, you can't, it doesn't... It's, it's rarely the right thing to do. What we need is someone to do all the other stuff so that we can bond with our babies. And yeah, it's something that happen, it happens in other in other cultures around parenting way more often that thinking particularly of my, my next door neighbours, all of their family live in the street. I think they own about four or five houses here. And so all their kids have grown up together. There's a whole clan of them and they're super loud, but they're really lovely. <laughs> um, and I've been here, I've been here 10 years or more. So I've really seen them grow up. And when a new baby arrives in this extended family, all of the women descend on that one house and you can hear them you can see them coming back and forth with food they do all the cooking they do all the cleaning all the other kids are shepherded somewhere else and that mum can just focus on looking after her baby with a Mm -hmm. with a network of women around her and you know I don't want to generalize for the entire Pakistani community but that that is much more prevalent in, in other cultures than the white western middle class one where we tend to think that we have to do everything in isolation and people are either too scared to come over and visit or they come over and visit and they expect you know detailed conversation about what's going on in the world when you barely you can barely get up and down stairs you know so there's a real mismatch in what's actually happening to you and your experience and what people expect of you or what they think you expect of them it's a, it's a mismatch in expectations isn't it i think yeah, and on the, on the flip side, sometimes when you're not the parent and you're the, the friend, the relative, the family member, it's really hard to know. You can see that, you know, perhaps they need help here or help there, but one, being able to offer the right one that they, that they need, but also being scared of, no, no, that, that that's not what I need, no, I'm fine, and kind of being, not ignored, but sort of uh, brushed brushed aside. Yeah. You know, it must. I know that it's really, really hard when you're desperate to give help, but maybe you don't know the type of help that you should offer. You don't want to insult them. You don't want to say, "Look, it looks like you're really struggling." And <laughs> yeah, well, gosh, you know, is your house a mess? Do you need a hand? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you are know, good ways of can, saying that and bad ways. <laughs> yeah, there are people that shy away from it and just think, "Well, they'll come and ask me." I've offered help. I've said, "Look, whatever I can do, they'll come to me." And in most of the cases, we don't. You know, yeah, we hear the offers absolutely. of help and we hear that the, and they're well, well-intentioned and they're genuine. You know, people do want to help, but we just sort of, oh, well, I can do it or that's going to put that person out of their way or, you know, I remember when I had my second and um, a close friend said to me, look, it's something that I do with my community. Let me drop off a meal for you. And I said, no, 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 it's fine. I don't need one. I'm I'm Okay. And she said, are you sure? Because I really don't mind. I'd really like to. I'll drop it at your door. You won't even have to see me and and I'll go. I said, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. And then it wasn't until months later and we got to know each other a bit more. She was like, did I insult you? Because I feel like I insulted you and I really didn't mean to. And she ended up apologising to me. (laughs) And I felt so bad. And I I thought, why didn't I accept that? I could have, it would have been really nice. I would have enjoyed it. You know, she wanted to help. You know, yeah. why didn't I accept that? And then after that, it kind of got me thinking about, I have to stop this because people, it makes people feel so good. You know, I'm being selfish because 
for for bizarre reasons and the 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 joy that people feel from having their help accepted it's just so wonderful it is it makes you feel so nice and you feel like i've made a difference and i've you know and that's what it should be about shouldn't it you shouldn't yeah and even if you don't of... even if you're not at death's door even if you're not you know really really struggling you don't have to wait till that point to accept help or to offer help either you know we can i mean one of the one of the hands down best days of this whole last year was the day I got back from going from a walk with a friend and found that you Fee had come over and cleaned my house (laughs) no new baby no major situation that needed help but you know I was just having a rough patch and you were like well I'm coming I'm coming to clean your house and not only had you done that but you'd snuck food into my freezer and my (laughs) fridge which was amazing and good food as well you know and but and I I can manage I'm perfect capable of cleaning the house it's not uh, it's, it wasn't because I was desperately in need of help but the the, the just not having to do it that yeah I'm, I was going to say that day but it's more like that month you know <laughs> <laughs> week week that week just made me feel so good that day yeah. and it, it, you don't have to be desperate you know you don't have to be really failing or struggling or or incapable of doing something to ask for help that sometimes just accepting a gift Mm -hmm. of time or care accepting some love from somebody is the gift in itself it doesn't really matter what the the content can be Mm -hmm. yeah totally I remember when I got back from hospital with my first and I knew that my amazing mother-in-law from New Zealand was coming over and she'd come over for she was coming over for six weeks and I remember thinking the house was a mess an absolute mess and she was going to be in one of the bedrooms and us my husband and new baby and I in the other one and I remember thinking I haven't got anything ready and I could have got stuff ready before and I didn't and it was all just the house was honestly like it had been turned upside down and she was arriving in maybe in, in maybe <laughs> oh, two days and um it's making me stressed just listening to it yeah but she arrived and I we'd made her bed because we hadn't actually been moved into the house for that long we had moved in maybe a few four weeks before I had I had my first and um she arrived and we said oh you know we set up the bed and 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 I and she looked at me and she <laughs> and I remember quite clearly she looked at me when she arrived and she came in from this like 23 and a half hour flight from Auckland with a stopover wow. she was dog tired and she just looked at me and she said I don't effing care what your house looks like I couldn't care and she just took the baby from me and she sat down on the sofa and um, sort of said hello or whatever. Then she stood up and then she rolled her sleeves up and she said, right, what can I do? And she just, and he, she's the kind of woman as well that even if you say, please just sit down, please. She please. wouldn't. She, just, she doesn't <laughs> listen. No, she doesn't listen. It's one of her best, quali- it's one of her best qualities. But it's stuff, sometimes it's, you need somebody to sort of bulldoze you into to listening because something happens, I think, when I, I, I was never good at accepting help pre-babies. But there's something happens when you have a baby that you're so worried about people thinking that you're looking at you and thinking you're a failure. Nobody has. I have never thought that about mother ever. But yet it's something that you put on yourself. I can't 
let people think that I'm failing at this, that that I'm not doing this right. Why do we, I don't understand why we, I have never ever thought that about a mother ever, no. but yet it's something that crosses my mind or did at the beginning stages all the time. Really hard thing to navigate out of once you're there. It's a really yeah. hard, you know, you en- end up in this sort of horrible c- cycle of. I can't let I can't accept help and then you really really struggle and then you come out of it and then you go well, you know well I, I, I should have done this and I should and you end up questioning yourself and it's really it's so damaging you also run the risk of building up resentment thinking why didn't people help me why didn't they just know what I needed and we hear that quite a lot on the Facebook group when we're talking about partners and relationships is that that kind of idea of oh why can't they just know what we need and and that's not because we expect other people or our you know our partners to be mind readers it's because we don't have the capacity to think and express it for ourselves because you are so done <laughs> you are mm-hmm. so spent you're so exhausted you you're literally your brain is being rewired through pregnancy to focus more on other people all of the gray matter stuff that exists around empathy and you can tell my uh, highly skilled um, neurological knowledge there gray matter stuff you know the gooey <laughs> bit in the middle I don't know um, but your brain structure your brain chemistry and its structure actually changes when you're pregnant in order to make you more empathetic so you're you know you're more aware of your baby's needs um, but obviously that's going to extend to everybody else as well and you know if you couple that with a bit of new mum or more severe level anxiety then you end up in a bit of a sp- spin cycle of you know oh but I need help oh but I shouldn't ask for help oh, I don't want to put anyone out oh, I don't want to be a burden and does not mean that I'm not doing well and if they think I'm struggling then I'm not a good mum and you know so on and so on until you're until you just power you're just paralyzed aren't you mm. you're just paralyzed and you just sort of get through each day you're also you're also in survival mode you're just trying to get through each day so all of that extra brain space you need to th- to really think and you know and to self-analyze and to be self-aware and to think okay so what am I feeling at the moment and how does this impact my behavior and what would be best to for me to change and how does that translate to what my partner does and thinks and and their way of communicating and how can I communicate you just I mean like you know two words Mm. into that and you're tired (laughs) there there isn't space to do that level of self-analysis there isn't so you you just sit there thinking oh why don't you know why don't you know what I need and of course, then, like you said, when they say, what do you need? You don't know because <laughs> you haven't got space to think about yourself at all on that kind of level. So hopefully what people can do and step in to do without too much thought is practical stuff. That's why we've uh, we've called the vouchery bingo card thing. <laughs> uh, very catchy name that. Um, but we've called it practical pampering because... It has, you know, it has to be something practical, and it's pampering is a is a funny way of describing it, but it's it's about that kind of support. It's about you taking care of yourself by asking for help when you need it, and you know, if what you want is to sit quietly with your baby whilst somebody else worries about everything else, then that's what you need to ask for. Mm-hmm. It's something that in one of our discussions pre-pandemic that somebody suggested when we were talking about asking for help, receiving help all along these lines is she said, I got so tired of my husband saying, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? That she started a list and she put it on 
her cupboard or on her fridge or in a book I can't remember where she said she put it and she'd add to the list and every time he'd say what can I do she'd go just go and look at the list so it was a real physical manifestation of like a brain dump that she could just put put everything and she just kept out and she said you know it did get to a stage where I got a little bit out of control <laughs> and there was loads <laughs> of things on the list but she was so bored of having to search her mind for something yeah. that he could help with that she just put it down on a, on a piece of paper and how cathartic that felt for her but that was you know her kids were older and that's a good point about whilst the voucher does mention tiny babies it's something that I think we have trouble regardless of how old our children are it's something we really really have trouble with because everybody everybody needs help we're not supposed to go through life without help from people it doesn't work like that and I you know I was talking to some some friends actually yesterday and I was saying you know the last year I really has really cemented to me for me and I'm you know obviously I can't speak for every single person in the world but it really feels like we're as humans we're not designed to do this by ourselves we're not designed we're not our makeup isn't to be shut away in a room or in a house and not be talking to other people it doesn't it doesn't do, it doesn't do any good for for a lot of people and it's the same sort of thing with with having kids I really feel quite strongly that you're not supposed to do it by yourself and yet we do we take on all we take on all of this thinking that we should be able to manage it and why in the re- in you know in reality we lean on our friends and um, you know if if you're going through a bit of a rough patch you do tend to say to your friends and family I need a bit of help but there's something about when you have children that it makes it even harder it's yeah. like a, a, like you sort of expose these what you perceive to be weaknesses and they're not weaknesses they're it's life it's it's how difficult children are you know and they and and children have a habit as as you know they grow up and they get older you know you're tested in very very different ways in in newborn stages it's you're very sleep deprived but perhaps as they get older it's logistics it's the emotions that come with having hu- you know small humans with these needs yeah. And um, often because their emotions are much bigger, you have less time for yours. They're having problems at school. Maybe they're falling behind in certain classes. They need help with X, Y and Z activities. The, The help that you need doesn't ever go. It just changes. And it's all about finding that support structure and being able to figure out what it is you need and when you need it and we unfortunately we don't have the luxury of time it's maybe as you're falling asleep in bed and thinking oh it would be really really helpful if someone could just take the dog out for a walk you know (laughs) one day this week so I could have that you know so I could have that hour to tidy up in tidy up in the kitchen or it'd be really really helpful if someone could just go to the shops for me I don't have time between the school run yeah you know just just stuff like that like little things that get missed but more often than not we don't we don't ask for them and then you know we suffer as a as a consequence and that help is actually there people do really want to help I think we worry as well that people don't want to do those sorts of things I've found it far easier to accept your very kind offer of coming to clean my kitchen oh Um, I love it well this is it I really like cleaning other people's houses too Mm -hmm. it's really fun it's really satisfying (laughs) so it's about just genuinely believing people when they say 
I want to come and bring you some food or I want to I want to help you in this practical way. It won't be a burden to me. And if we could trust that people only offer help when they actually want to do it. So if people only did offer help when they actually wanted to do it and then they followed through and they checked up. And if that person said, no, no, I'm fine. And they say, OK, well, is there some other way I can help you? Give us give a list, give a suggestion. That's the purpose of this thing we've created is is to give you that ready made list and suggestions so that you could you could go through each one with somebody with a friend of yours and say okay so you don't want me to bring you food no problem how about I come and do this no not that okay no worries how about this and the more persistent you are the more likely they are to either just pick one of those things or never speak to you again or uh, <laughs> or tell you the thing they really do want which might not be on the list it might be something completely different it might be can you do a bit of research into child tax benefits or something because I can't just get I can't get my head around it it could be any one of those things I think also there's, there's something important about the the diversity of support networks. So, you know, like you said, we, we're not supposed to do this on our own. And a lot of us are on our own, whether it's within our own sort of nuclear family or completely on our own. You know, some, some of us are single parents and it's it's just you and your new baby. That's intense and really mm. stressful and exhausting. So you need to have a, a range of different sorts of support networks. It might be that you're... Your mother-in-law or your next-door neighbour are amazing at coming and doing the garden for you or bringing over, you know, nutritious, ready, ready-prepared meals, home-cooked meals for you. But actually, if you need breastfeeding support, you might need to be on a WhatsApp group with other mums who are breastfeeding or you might need somebody who's breastfed before and who knows all the good Facebook groups to join. Or it might be that you need help with potty training your three-year-old or whatever it is and so you you need a multitude of support networks and again Mm -hmm. we keep coming back to this idea of finding your tribe don't we but if you do then you know that those are the people who just get you and who you can ask what do I do about this how do I figure this out what's coming next (laughs) have you prepared for it oh gosh I haven't done this have you checked the deadline for all of that kind of stuff there's also practical support that's really, really important because it just takes some of that mental load off. And I am really guilty of doing this to a particular couple of friends of mine who will be well aware of my tendency to go, uh, guys, what kind of car seat should I buy? <laughs> um, <laughs> when is the school application deadline? What, how, what do I do about this thing? When does this happen? What am I supposed to do here? I know I remember even asking them, when am I supposed to brush? And stuff you could Google, really. Stuff you could easily <laughs> Google. But I ask them because I trust them implicitly and because they're also going through it at the same time as me. So there's a nuance to that reply that's absolutely invaluable. And I think you know we we have to find those sorts of people who we can not just chat to and who understand us but who who are doing some of that we can share that mental we don't all need to be in our individual houses each googling the same thing you know we can be telling each other what we've discovered and each one of us will have gone through different things with our new babies you know i I am an absolute expert on silent reflux I know everything there is to know. So if anyone ever needs any tips on a silent refluxy baby, just get in touch with me. I will tell you everything there is to know. And you don't have to do that research because it is exhausting and it took me months to figure it out. So, you know, we and Facebook is really good for that. It's, it's terrible for so many things and, you know, absorbing our souls through the screen and all of that stuff. But actually what you get is this network of knowledge 
of other mums, other parents who have explored these issues before, found practical solutions, found hacks to get round stuff, found simple tips. They've done the research on what to buy and what not to buy and things that you think you should buy at three o'clock in the morning on Amazon. You've signed up for Prime and you're just desperately buying baby products to fix whatever problem you've got going on. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that will say, oh, no, don't bother with that. Get this. This is really good. And that's mm-hmm. incredibly helpful because there are so many questions in the early days and so many questions with your second or your third child relating to your other children and you know all the other different feelings that you have then. To find support networks where those questions have been researched for you is so, so helpful. So that diversity of, of support networks, that diversity of community is really, is really invaluable. I'm so mm-hmm, grateful mm-hmm. for social media for exactly that kind of reason. And I, I really feel for, for my parents, for example, who had to <laughs> had to phone people and make friends. You know, they had to make new friends and then you had to speak to them on the phone with a new baby whilst you're trying to cope with everything to get any kind of connection or, or support. My mum and dad were part of a, a sort of babysitting circle or a friends network. I think it was mm-hmm. my mum that, that volunteered for some, some kind of service where new parents would get a phone call from a parent who'd had a child a little bit before yours, but was still a new parent themselves. I don't know what mm-hmm. organisation was running it, but it's a brilliant idea. Yeah, it sounds really good. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. So my mum was tasked with phoning this new parent couple, this new family who just had a baby um, and she was tasked with phoning them to just see if they wanted to chat or needed any help or wanted to go for a coffee or um <laughs> she tells this story with great humor because they have become lifelong friends and their kids you know and I, I, we grew up together but she phoned up and, and Pete the new dad answered and was in such a grumpy state with this you know new colicky crying baby and no sleep it's like what what do you want and my poor timid oh, mum was like oh i'm so sorry i'm just trying trying to help <laughs> and it was a really disastrous thing but they they persevered and then they have been absolute you know i consider them to be like my family they have been an absolute and they, they were a lifeline to each other but we have that so easily with social media now that it's a really, it is a really beautiful tool if you know where to look. And I, you're right about the whole persevering thing, which is why you were chatting. I was thinking about how many times after a while, and it, it often comes down to close friends and family, aren't it, that, that do keep asking, you know, what can I, what can I do? But so often when we do refuse the help, if it's a particular person, they'll think, oh, you know, maybe I offended them or they, they're actually okay. And then that offer of help goes whereas actually it's in fact if you're if you're more than willing to unless you're your mum Liz which she, I mean I'm, I'm in admiration that she kept going after having a response like that but quite often it's you know people say well I'm not going to ask again you know that they're, they're obviously okay or perhaps maybe you know he was very sleep deprived but that came across as snappy and rude that would also be enough to put most people off and we're so ridiculously British about it, aren't we? And we're so terrified of offending anybody and we're so, you know, easily secretly offended and then we pretend we're not. And all of that nonsense comes into play and is heightened by the anxiety and the sleep deprivation. But yeah, you're mm-hmm. totally right. Persevere, keep asking. And another thing is that if you're if you've got you know, if you're exhausted yourself but you want to support somebody, to say, I'm not gonna remember to text you every two days and see if you want help but I'm genuinely 
here if you ask me I will do it and mm-hmm. and keep pushing that you know you don't have to keep thinking of different things to offer but you can just keep saying just ask me please just ask me mm-hmm. over and over again and again that's what this this creation is supposed to is supposed to help with is that you know just the the work on both sides that it takes mm-hmm. to give and to receive support in that kind of context and something that we've got on the card as well is about if your feet not feeling very well you know and this is something that I don't want to gloss over because quite often no. we hear that it's actually not the mum that recognizes that she's not well it's a partner or a friend that thinks she's not she's not actually she's not doing very well and I don't know how to give her the help that that she needs but in some cases we are able to recognize that things aren't right and anxiety is perhaps not just anxiety and our feelings are manifesting themselves in other ways that aren't very healthy um, and good for us and and potentially dangerous so that's something that's really important that we've put on there which is let somebody step in and be a spokesperson or help you know they can they can come to the doctors with you or they can help find a number for you you know that's that's a really important part of the card which is if the practical help is not something that you think I'm in a space to be able to even consider let alone receive and it's something else entirely that I need then then that option's there because we hear it so many times don't we and I and you know I've heard recently somebody contacted me saying that it was her husband that made her go to the doctor because she was really unwell. She just thought she put it down to, well, I've got the baby blues and I'm crying a lot. But actually it was a lot worse than that. And she was trying to put a brave face on it while secretly inside just completely crumbling. You know, that's something that's really important to address because we've mentioned it before so many times, haven't we, about suicide and how many women, how many, the numbers are just horrific you know surrounding suicide in in the first year after and that's just that just the first year after after their baby's born so it's something that it's not to gloss over that it's it's there maybe sometimes until it's not until you see it written down on a piece of paper and you think actually that is what I need right now yeah it might be more important than somebody bringing you food even is to say actually I'm really I'm really not okay can I just have some help and you might not know what that help is and the person you give that piece of paper back to or say it to might not know what that help is but if more than one person knows you can like figure it out you can find a way to access that help because it does exist and it is out there it can be hard to find so there mm-hmm. is a section on that practical pampering voucher that says you know red flag i need help i need help mentally psychologically and that might be the stimulus for a conversation that gets you the support you need. Maybe even intervenes before what you're feeling gets worse, which is, mm-hmm. you know, so incredibly important. I think it's something that mums, new mums, first time mums, again, are particularly guilty of is is leaving things for far too long. Whether they're physical things around, you know, healing or scar tissue or pelvic floor problems we are so guilty of just leaving them and leaving them because everybody else and everything else comes first and when it comes to your mental health you just and your physical health you can't you shouldn't be doing that and if if there's some way that we can as as we're supporting new mothers ourselves remember to check in on that too to just say don't forget I'm here day or night if you want to talk about anything 
And if you can't be there day or night, signposting them to, to Facebook groups, making sure that they and their partner have a list of numbers to call, uh, making sure that, you know, that there's an open dialogue. I think that's the most important thing is just keeping an open dialogue about all of these things, whether it's how to help around the house with a new mum or whether it's how to support them with their mental health, making sure there's a completely free, safe space with no judgment mm. so that if they need to say something, they are far more able to say it than they otherwise would have been. Yeah, and feeling like you're not being judged. And maybe that's something that comes under the other the other bit on the, on the card is being able to have a conversation with somebody and telling them how you feel without fear of them going, well, you're a terrible mother nobody else has thought this it's just you (laughs) you know you're clearly (laughs) neglecting you're clearly neglecting your baby and I'm going to call social services you know you want somebody just often maybe that's that's something that we you know isn't talked about as much and something that could be on on people's cards is I just want to chat actually I just want to have a chat about how I'm feeling or do you know somebody who has had a horrible c-section and recoveries taking ages do you know somebody that's having problems with breastfeeding do you know somebody with a baby who's had silent reflux we should have a miss <laughs> tab on there maybe um <laughs> but you know a kind of um i need to be put in contact with so and so do you know anybody yeah. who might be able to help because often that's often don't know where to start it's especially intimidating for people who want to help who don't have children of their own because they're not going to be able to support you with those things so you know it might be that for those people again you just have an open conversation you just say oh look I I don't know anything about breastfeeding support but I bet I can find someone who does let me do some email let me do some googling for you and see if I can get hold of a telephone number for you 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 are able to support even if you're not a silent reflux expert yourself <laughs> you yeah. can find support for people if if you've got an open enough dialogue that they can they can reach out and ask you for that help or just even tell you that that's what they're going through without needing help sometimes it's just the space to talk and be heard and be understood that's so incredibly powerful and that's definitely something i really needed in the early days was just to be able to say oh my God, this is the worst possible thing I have ever gone through in my life. And it was in that moment, five minutes later, it wasn't. But in that moment, I needed to be able to say it without fear of being believed to be the way I felt the whole time. I found that really difficult that I I wasn't, you know, struggling constantly. But there were moments when I was absolutely struggling. And I wanted to be able to say, oh my God, I'm really struggling without... Um, yeah, without it being assumed that I was therefore constantly struggling. So sometimes just mm. that completely free, safe space to say one minute, this is incredibly difficult. And the next minute, oh my gosh, they just did this and it's so cute and I'm really happy. You know, because that is what it's like. That is how it feels. And that's completely normal. And to normalize that sort of roller coaster is really important if we can talk about the normal healthy roller coaster we'll be much more able to talk about it when it becomes extreme and unmanageable and difficult and unhealthy um Mm -hmm. and that's that's just such an important space to be held for new mums and i think if you can have those conversations with friends with family beforehand and maybe lay some of the groundwork for that you know to say i'm 
I'm going to need this kind of space. Can we have a special WhatsApp group where I can just vent <laughs> about baby stuff? You know, if you don't want to be in it, don't be in it. That's absolutely fine. It's always a risky one with friends and family, I think. <laughs> you, you know who your friends are that you can vent with without question, but families, it's harder. But if you have those people before you have a baby, you know, to try and establish that as your, as your need then, I think could be really valuable. And for those that don't have children or had children a long time ago and you know have forgotten how what it is that new mums new parents need I remember somebody saying that in the early days when her son was really small that overwhelming feeling of somebody this is pre-pandemic obviously coming into your house and taking off their coat and putting down their bag was like a euphoric feeling that somebody's here and they're not just dropping something off and going. I'm not saying that this is the case for everybody because in some cases you do want you know, somebody to just drop something and go. You might not think that you bring much to the table. You might think, well, you know, I haven't got anything to give. I'm just here with some hot cross buns and, you know, a little baby grow. But actually your physical presence of being yeah. in the house and being sat beside them. And maybe it is just a nice conversation you have. Maybe you do want to have a, a cry. But that's so powerful just to have a chat with a friend or a chat with a family member and not think they're dashing out the door in 45 minutes that they're there they want to make you a cup of tea just you being there is often what people want yeah <laughs> just company it's, it's a lonely lonely time being a new mum and, and actually you know this last year has been extremely lonely we haven't been able to come into people's houses but a phone call a facetime a zoom chat you know whatever whatever that is it's that 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 company that sort of familiarity where you can have a cry or be yourself yeah. is just so important and i i desperate for people without kids I, I never want them to think well i don't have any advice to give them and i don't really know what to say you don't have to that's not what they're looking for they're looking for just a connection yeah and that's often the first you know don't shy away from that because that's you know for me and my relationships with people who don't have children are just as important you know I don't regard people who have my friends who have kids as any more important than those who don't sure there's a there's an understanding of course there's an understanding with people who have kids but those relationships that were there before you had children are still there and they're still really important and you know for me it's something that i I hang on to with both hands because it's an anchor point isn't it to your identity and who you were before you became a parent absolutely it is you know and it's nice to to share and whine about your kids because you're sleep deprived and then go oh god that sounds awful and yeah you know go yeah it is you know I've got it really bad (laughs) I've got it worse (laughs) than you (laughs) and just to have a laugh and and chat about mutual friends and family and oh did you hear about this they are it's so it's such such an important thing so you know don't shy away from it because you think that's not what they want it is yeah and I think that's also a really important thing for people who might find lots of baby talk difficult so if people don't have children because they've lost babies or because they're struggling to have babies or they're going through a difficult journey with it where they're not sort of just confident in their choice not to have babies that there are Mm -hmm. still ways you can support your friend who has had a baby and there are still ways that you're that you who've had a baby can still connect with those friends 
by, mm-hmm. by talking about everything else there is in the world but babies <laughs> to, <Yeah. laughs> to keep connected with that person for who they are outside of being a parent and of course it needs to be really sensitively done on both sides but if it's if it's an existing friend then hopefully you already have that sensitivity and that connection but there is you know you can still you don't have to go and visit the mum with the new baby if it's difficult and you don't have to only ask for that kind of help you can like you like you said just have a conversation send cat memes anything you know just (laughs) just keep the connection with other human beings I mean particularly during a pandemic but but regardless it's a really isolating time to be a a new Mm -hmm. mum especially when you're you know potentially home alone with a small baby and it's just you and them and so to have conversation about something other than your baby is is so valuable it's such a valuable thing and we'll put the we'll put the vouchers on all of the all of the socials as my (laughs) husband calls it all the socials and our website and you can download it we do have plans to make physical vouchers that you can that we can send you we're working on that but for now the digital copies will be available on our website becomingmums.com and facebook and instagram you print it off and if you're sending a card to a new mum put it in the card and write an explanation on the back the back is blank just to say please let me offer practical help which of these would be most useful or tell me something else that I could do to help. Or if you're a new parent or you're about to be a new parent, send them out to your relatives. But there's there's often lots of sort of really lovely communication that goes out before a baby's born. It might be the, you know, the announcing of the, the sex of the baby or it might be something around the due date. I saw a really lovely one that some friends of mine sent out saying, here are our wishes in the first few weeks. You know, we want to, we don't want to have visitors at the hospital and we want to do this and this and this. And they laid it all out and they designed it really beautifully. It looked really nice. Um, So this is something you could send out to your family to say, look, we don't know. We're brand new parents. We haven't got there yet. We don't know what help we're going to need, but here's a few suggestions. Can you hang on to this and we'll let you know what we need? There's all sorts of, you know, just use it as a tool to open up that conversation so that when it gets to the point where you are just needing something or someone's popping round, you might not be in dire straits. It might just be that someone's about to pop round and you think, oh, actually, I'm going to be brave and ask them if they could pick up some bread and milk on the way. No one's going to mind. They're really not going to mind. None of us mind. And none of that means that you're not functioning well as a parent or doing a kick-ass job. Absolutely. It's such a shame people can't see what you look like because you really look like Wurzel Gummidge. (laughs) (laughs) And every time my head moves, the whole strange psychedelic blanket tunnel moves too i think also when i log into squadcast which is how we do our podcasts and um, it comes that it generates an automatic name for me <laughs> and uh, today i'm named uh, reserved arpeggiator which uh, <laughs> it's very fancy there's been some great ones actually um i haven't got them on me but they do make me laugh it's obviously something that's part of their software but i'm i'm a fan i have to say and i quite like that you don't put in your name i like that you leave it blank and and leave it up to the up to the um the random generator but um obviously if anyone you know has any questions about it we're always on always around on social media and we'd love to hear and let us know what you think about the voucher let us know if you think there's anything we need to add we like it 
we're we're yeah, fans we you know jess has done a great job so um please use it that's what it's there for print off as many as you want and you know and send tell them us out. tell us how it's been used you know if you've emailed it to all your family and that's meant that you've got some great help in the first few weeks tell us about it come to the facebook group because that in itself is a really useful bit of practical support that is a yes. space where you can talk about absolutely anything that you're going through but also let us know let us know if this has been useful um, or if there's anything massive that we've missed off the list. We did consult the Facebook group when we were putting it mm-hmm. together and I think we had something like 150 responses. Oh, we, had, we had a lot, yes. <laughs> it was some really beautiful and really moving and you know and powerful stories alongside those suggestions. But there were some really clear themes, you know, food, healthy food and or cake, often both. Come and look after my older kid. Come and take my older kid to the park so I can just have a moment with the new baby um, and so that my child feels special as well. Uh, my mm-hmm. older child feels special. Really simple things. You know, could you, yeah, just come, could you bring me a load of groceries? That would be amazing. One of the best presents I had was from a friend who'd, she, just really tiny, simple things. She got me a big tub of Marks and Spencer's flapjacks and a couple of cans of gin and tonic which I didn't drink for ages, but I loved them being in the fridge and a little hat that she'd knitted for my baby. But she left them on the doorstep and just sent me a text saying, these are on the doorstep. And I, and I don't know if she stuck around in case I said, oh, come in, come in. What she, did, what she gave me was the opportunity to receive the gift without having to have a visitor or to invite the visitor in, which I just thought was a really beautifully beautifully thought through thing because actually at that time I didn't want visitors but my god those flapjacks were good (laughs) yeah that's (laughs) what you want don't you you want you want heavy duty snacks that's what what the only thing I ever wanted especially early days breastfeeding and even if you're not breastfeeding early days sleep deprivation baby you want syrupy chocolatey delicious snacks I think that's that's always a winning combination absolutely I'm finding it really hard to contain my myself. And as it gets darker, you get more sinister. There's like a <laughs> horror film, isn't there, with a scarecrow? <laughs> so sorry. I love it. So no, funny. I love it. I feel like I'm more like a contemporary art piece, you know, with the swirling colours and the... No, just horrifying scarecrow. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Well, let's yeah, put a picture up and then we'll let, uh, we'll let our... <laughs> we'll let everyone else see. Let everyone else judge how terrifying I am. <laughs> been listening to a parenting in a pandemic podcast from fee and liz at becoming mums please subscribe for new episodes and follow us at becomingmums.com or via our instagram and facebook pages